You are listening to The Clambake, a KBGA podcast. With your host, Madeline Broom. Thanks for tuning in to KBGA Missoula 89.9. My name is Madeline Broom, and I am the host of KBGA's newest podcast, The Clambake. Join us every week for important conversations with community members. We'll be talking about Missoula and the university's most pressing issues on this show. On Wednesday, April 22nd, dozens gathered online to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. A half century ago, millions of Americans poured into the streets in an outburst of environmental awareness and concern that had not been seen before. In the lead-up to the first Earth Day in 1970, the environmental degradation caused by pollutants and other human activities was becoming apparent. In Cleveland, a major manufacturing hub, the Cuyahoga River caught fire about 13 times due to high levels of industrial pollutants. A 1968 symposium at nearby Kent State University described the river as having, quote, large quantities of black heavy oil floating in slicks, sometimes several inches thick, end quote. It continues on to say, quote, debris and trash are commonly caught up in these slicks, forming an unsightly floating mess, unquote. In late June 1969, the Cuyahoga River was again ablaze. It was not the largest fire on the river, nor the most damaging, according to Cleveland Historical, a program out of Cleveland State University. The fire did cause $100,000 in damages to nearby bridges, but was significantly less than the roughly $1 million of damage caused when the river burned in 1952. What the 1969 fire had was timing. Rachel Carson's revolutionary book entitled Silent Spring was published in 1962. The publication of Carson's book coincided with the burgeoning environmental movement of the 1960s. According to environmental engineer and Carson scholar H. Patricia Hines, quote, Silent Spring altered the balance of power in the world, end quote. The river fire was just the straw that broke the camel's back, some might say. Cleveland Mayor Carl Stokes, the city's first black mayor, held a press conference at the site of the fire and went on to testify before Congress on the need for pollution control. Stokes had an ally in Congress, too, his brother Louis. Together, they advocated for the Clean Water Act, which eventually passed in 1972. Less than a year after the fire, the nation rallied for what, at the time, was the country's largest teach-in, Earth Day. 20 million people, or what was 10% of the U.S. population, on Wednesday, Missoulians did the same. It looked a little different 50 years later. Not because we are living in a sci-fi future that many in the 60s may have imagined for the year 2020, but because of a global pandemic. What was supposed to be a rallying cry for Missoulians and a chance for them to collectively demand action on today's most environmental... I don't like that sometimes. What was supposed to be a rallying cry for Missoulians and a chance for them to gather in the streets demanding action on climate change quickly had to pivot to a virtual rally. After the rally, I sat down over Zoom with Devin 
After the rally, I sat down over Zoom with Devin Jackarusso, like a 19-year-old organizer with Sunrise in the streets protesting. We talked about what the, the rally like, lost by going of the original Earth Day, where like 10% of the entire American population was out in the streets, like y'all better protect our planet or we're gonna shut things down and you know they won the clean air act they won the clean water act but yeah we've lost the ability to like organize such a massive rally in that respect but i think we've i think we've gained some urgency in a lot of ways and a lot of momentum because people are recognizing how just inherently flawed uh, our government is currently and all of the contradictions within it like people are recognizing that seeing all of the preventable suffering happening and starting to shift further and further to the left and realize like wow this system isn't working for us it's actually working for the rich and powerful very interesting let's destroy it Nick Shepard, an organizer also with Sunrise, described what the groups had originally been envisioning for Earth Day. If we had been able to gather in large groups, we would have hopefully had it on the scale at least of the climate strike rally that happened in September, where there were, I think, over a thousand people there in attendance. So we were hoping to have it at least on that scale and just have a really, really positive, vibrant uh, crowd. We were hoping to have some singers and some dancers we actually had lined up uh talk to some people have some performances going on and have a we were going to try and line up to have a mural somewhere that we could all everyone could contribute to uh of course that fell through too with the rally moving online so did the speeches those speaking at the event submitted videos that were played during the rally which met over zoom the speakers ranged from local climate activists and healthcare workers to a middle school student. Hi, my name is Hannah Lundy. I go to Missoula International School, and this is a poem I wrote for Earth Day. The earth we stand on is our home. The magical orb spinning in space, space we will never fully understand. Understand this is our only hope. Hope that we can make the changes needed, changes needed to prevent global warming, global warming that is endangering the lives of entire species, species that are part of the chain that connects us all, connections to the spirits that guard, spirits that won't be crushed. Crushed forests will start to regenerate. Regenerate to stand tall and strong. Strong forces will heal. Heal the tired bones. Bones dug up by humans. Humans destroying our planet. Our planet is our home. Our home is this earth. The earth we stand on is our home. Halt. Happy Earth Day. As we treat every day as Earth Day, I just wanted to leave a quick message to let everyone know that my name is Claire Charlo. I come from the Confederate Salish and Kootenai tribes. My ancestors come from the Bitterroot Salish tribe who were forcibly evicted um, from our land um, by gunpoint from soldiers um, back in, I believe, 1891. Um, we were relocated to the Flathead Reservation where we share land with the Pend Oreille, the Kootenai, 
and the Salish people. I would just, my message for Earth Day is basically that um, we are in the middle of a pandemic, otherwise we would be gathering all together. Um, I'm leaving this message because I wanted everyone to know that um, despite the fact that we're in isolation, we're socially distancing, we're doing everything we can to stay safe, um, that we are facing a pandemic on so many levels. So I just, um, on this Earth Day during this pandemic, I want to, to thank everyone that is working together, to thank everybody that is trying to protect our Earth. Right now, we're seeing the Earth gasp for breath during this pause. We're also seeing the collapse of, of the global economy. And in that collapse, it's going to be really difficult. Um, revolution is hard. Revolution is going to be ugly. Revolution is going to take a little bit of time, and it's not going to be pretty. But at this point in time, the pandemic has exposed all the lies that capitalism has put on us. You know, we, <clears throat> my people have been decimated before by smallpox. We went from 40 to 60,000 people to 17,000 people in less than 15 years after contact. So I'm very familiar with the pandemic. I'm very familiar with losing people. And I don't want to lose people. I do not believe in profit over humanity. I do not believe that we should pick people and let them go die because we want to have profit. Um, our, our capitalism, our economy, everything is collapsing, and, and yet we want to put people back into danger. So my, my in conclusion, I just want to say that I, um, I don't want to be all panicked. My message to you is of hope. My message is that we are resilient people. And my message is that my allies, my indigenous people, that we are um, in the middle of a pandemic. We're in the middle of change. And at the same time, during this time of change, we have to come together. And I'm seeing that. I'm seeing solidarity throughout communities throughout the world. And let us solidify. Let us get together. Let us fight for this chance to have a way to live without capitalism, without basically having to put your life on the line every single day so that we can have a place to live, so that we can have food, so that our basic needs are met. In solidarity with everybody else, may we protect the earth, may our earth have the, the, the protection, that this is an opening for the earth to be able to say that it can heal itself. And lastly, the full list of demands aimed at politicians, CEOs, and others in positions of power can be found at MissoulaEarthDay.org. I pledge to advocate for a healthy, just, and livable future for all. I pledge to act in solidarity with young people and impacted communities creatively mobilizing for Earth Day around the globe April 22nd. I am inviting and asking that everyone in a position of power to impact the health, nature, and climate crisis stand with most impacted groups and communities. So that mentions in the pledge and but it mentions the most impacted groups and communities, and that might seem um, obvious to some of us, but I think it might still be important to talk about who those are. Yeah, so uh, who we're talking about by the most impacted communities or the frontline communities, we mean the indigenous communities that are essentially, they're having their land stolen again, uh, and uh, quite possibly most likely destroyed when not if, when, these pipelines burst, they, they always do. Uh, the Keystone XL, I think at some points is running within like a quarter mile of some of these 
places and it's going under rivers, it's going near water sources. It's, so we're talking about indigenous communities. We're also talking about fossil fuel workers because these people, like the fossil fuel industry is not going to last forever. These people, a lot of them, a lot of these aren't well-paying jobs. A lot of them aren't secure jobs, safe jobs. Uh, and I think, I think we had someone, someone mentioned in their speech, I think it was Claire Charlotte, might've been someone else. I think it was her. She mentioned she had called up TransCanada, uh, one of the companies and said, you know, oh, I'm looking for a, one of these jobs. How long, how long do you think it would last? And they said, oh, it would last up to a year. So when they talk about all these, all these jobs, you know, these pipelines are going to create all these good paying jobs. They're not, they're not uh, permanent jobs. They're very temporary. And a lot of these workers are going to be left out to dry just as much as anyone else. Uh, so yeah, when we talk about the frontline communities, indigenous communities, fossil fuel workers, anyone that's especially at risk by these uh, projects. I think, I think my two favorites are, first of all, supporting and championing a people's bailout for the coronavirus that prioritizes people who've been hit the hardest, supports and centers health, prioritizes the growth of a regenerative economy and protects our democracy, and then using that to push later on for a Green New Deal, which is critical in this time because like, yeah, we only have 10 years and if we're not, if we're not pouring money into this issue and like really giving it all we've got, then it's, it's game over for us. Like we definitely need to be taking urgent action to survive the climate crisis and protect our people. So I think, yeah, the demand related to the Green New Deal is definitely one of my favorites, but also committing to transforming our relationship to nature in line with science and traditional ecological knowledge and working towards protecting and restoring the planet, I think is really important. Cause like the Green New Deal is great, but I think a lot of it has to come like internally, individually, and like from people reconsidering their relationship with nature and to a certain extent, like their consumption on all of that and realizing like, oh wow, maybe, maybe the way society is set up right now isn't working so great. Like maybe we're consuming too much energy and maybe there's ways we can work around that. Um, and yeah, just like having that respect for nature. I think probably, let's see, is it number three, the uh, Keystone XL one, because that's just, you know, immediate right now construction is starting. I think it was halted uh, like a week or two ago because of a permit, but they just, you know, constructed the man camps and construction was just getting underway and it's probably going to be a temporary delay. So Keystone XL with construction starting up right here in Montana, that's a uh, tangible thing that we can organize around that people can protest against, make their voices heard to their public officials. And all, all of our statewide public officials support it. Steve Bullock, uh, Mike Cooney, Tester, Danes, Gene Forte, all of them. So I think that's probably the one that resonates with me the most because, well, I've been organizing against it for 
a little while here with Sunrise, and it's something that really everyone can take a stance against. Everyone can make their voices heard. Missoula Earth Day also called for a divestment from fossil fuels, whether that be refusing to fund carbon-intensive projects such as an oil pipeline or funds that support polluting industries like mining. They were also asking that EPA pollution standards are fully enforced, especially as water and air pollutants exacerbate the impacts of the coronavirus. I'm wondering, what was your goal for Earth Day? Like, your own goal? Did you have one? Did you kind of... Mm. I mean, I think these were goals for the rally as much as they were, like, goals for myself. But the goals I had were to uplift the voices of the communities that are most impacted, which like we were talking about is BIPOC folks, is uh, youth. And yeah, so I tried my best to uplift people from those communities as much as possible. And the other thing I really wanted people to consider to consider is uh, just, I wanted people to get more involved because like, Sharing stuff on Facebook and like doing all of that is great, and like voting every two years is acceptable, but uh, yeah, but it's not enough. Like, we're not gonna Facebook post and vote every two years, we're not gonna do that and pave our way towards survival. Like, this is the fight of our lives, and if you're not out on the streets protesting, organizing, and shutting shutting things down unless real substantive change is happening then you're not helping essentially missoula earth day like much of the climate movement was youth-led what do you believe is the importance of a youth-led movement and why did you kind of put an emphasis on this with Hmm. earth day yeah so i think Similar to BIPOC folks, youth are similarly marginalized. And I don't want to say like that our marginalization is equal or not. Like we're just marginalized to a certain extent. Like young people aren't in political office. They're not in positions of power the majority of the time. Uh, And like even younger kids having worked with like preschoolers, they get treated like objects a lot of the time. And yeah, I think young people are extremely marginalized in a lot of ways. And so I think like holding that space for ourselves, similar to like spaces specifically for BIPOC folks, spaces specifically for uh, queer folks and LGBTQ plus folks, I think like having that space for ourselves is important and like other marginalized groups do that as well. So I think that's part of it, part of why it's so important, but also like just having that energy and like that hopefulness. Adults, sometimes talking to them is a real bummer because they're not quite as hopeful as us young folks, for better or for worse. I think the other thing is just like as a youth movement, there's so much like hope and energy and being able to bring that to actions and organizing and like not necessarily having a preconceived notion of what organizing even looks like, helps us not only 
bring the energy and passion that's needed, but also adapt when something like COVID-19 happens. Like the COVID-19 pandemic hasn't really stopped the Sunrise Movement. We've moved online, but we're recruiting more than ever for uh, Sunrise School because that's just, yeah. That's most of what we can do online, but we've been recruiting a ton. To learn more about Missoula Earth Day or any of the organizations that work together to make the rally possible, go to MissoulaEarthDay.org. There, you can also find links to all the speeches given at the virtual rally. Thanks for tuning in. New episodes will be dropping every week. You can listen to The Clambake on air by tuning into KBGA 89.9 Missoula, going online at kbga.org, or listening to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This episode was edited and produced by me, your host, Madeline Broom. Special thanks to Jazar for the music used in The Clambake. All music was sourced from the Free Music Archive.